If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018, the American obesity rate was over 42%? Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses? These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, you know what? That sounded really good for a few weeks and months and whatever, but let's try something new. Brian? This week on the 108 Podcast, here comes the Hunk Police with Corporal Ben Stombaugh. I made up that part about uh, my drinking problem. The more I learn about how to take care of your head, the less we make the news. We kill ourselves four times more than bad guys. Taking care of yourself isn't weak, it's the opposite. Oh, the hunk police, go, go talk to Ben if you're sad, you need a hug, oh, oh, this is what you do, you got coffee, and you sort of make jokes or whatever, then they sit down, they have a cup of coffee, then they're there for 45 minutes. I think I needed to talk about it, and I didn't know how. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the 108 Podcast. My name is 108, and this is episode 13 of season 2, so 2 13. 
My guest today is Corporal Ben Stombaugh from Indiana. You may know him from the Hey My Man podcast where he was the co-host for almost 300 episodes. The The podcast ran for 300 episodes. He was in it for most of it. Um, great stuff. Go listen to the Hey My Man podcast. You have 300 hours of not of just of listening to do so go get on it that's your homework uh, but we're going to talk not about the hey my man podcast we did that last year no as a matter of fact we are going to talk about mental health and we're going to talk about his uh officer wellness unit that he uh fronts that he is the part of for his police department absolutely amazing you know mental health and law enforcement is so underserved the law enforcement community is so underserved when it comes to their mental health and i have taken it upon myself to take the meme community that i have uh been a part of for the past two plus years and this podcast audience and start talking about it a little bit more publicly and a little bit more frequently because i feel like and i've been personally affected by tragic mental health stories and I feel like it needs to be addressed more. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit in the episode. And this is a longer episode, so my intro is not going to be much uh, much to talk about because I, w- I want to go right to Ben. Um, but here's the thing. Here's where I've been with suicide. Um, and yes, we're talking suicide. This is going to be the most serious part of it. Just bear with me real quick. So, And I mentioned this last year or last week. But basically, I've responded to a neighboring sergeant in my jurisdiction. She came to my my jurisdiction. She committed suicide. I was one of the first officers on scene. Then a year ago, a year ago on Christmas, a detective that I had worked several operations with and taken several different classes with from a neighboring jurisdiction, he committed suicide. Um, this guy was this freaking life of the party, always happy, always smiling. Everyone loved him. Nobody, I, no one I knew could say a bad thing about him. I didn't, you know, I didn't know him all that personally, but no one could say a bad thing about him. He was just that kind of guy. Great guy. Darius DeBarros, uh, dude, I'm so sorry. But anyway, he took his life. He had demons that no one knew about. He took his life. Absolutely tragic. And then this past October, only a few months ago, uh, a buddy of mine, Pat Erlinson, he took his own life, unfortunately, very tragically, did not see that coming. And, you know, again, we were not very close. And his mom, who has actually reached out to me, um, her eulogy at his funeral broke my heart into 10 million pieces. It was already broken. Um, After everything I dealt with over the summer, which put a pin in that, we're going to talk about that in a second, but everything I dealt with over the summer, then to lose another buddy of mine uh, after I had made my move, across state it it tore me apart but it also it tore me apart hearing her words first off how much he was loved by his family and and the people around him but also i i saw so much of me in the stories that she was telling and i felt like damn i was like fuck pat if if we only talked a little bit more like i i only worked with him for a few months but if we only talked just a little bit more you know i feel like i would have been able to serve him a little bit better now you know, Ben and I are going to talk in just a few about how we we take others' burdens when we when we open ourselves up to talk about mental health for others. And I'm, you know, it's important to say that you know if someone close to you uh, takes their own life, you can't bear that burden to the point of oh man, I failed this person. Unfortunately, it's a double-edged sword. 
uh, because you want to help that person, but sometimes you can't. So first thing I want to say is to anybody who is wanting to help someone in crisis, you got to understand your own personal limits. Um, you know, I was actually um, in communication with someone two years ago when I first started the page and I was doing the first round of code four checks and they were like, Hey man, I'm not in a good place. Bad things are going in my mind. And I was like, bro, I I'm sorry, but that is out of my area of expertise. Like if you want to talk shit out, I'm all for it. But if you are in a true crisis, you need to contact a professional because unfortunately I am not a mental health professional. Keep that in mind. So there's that, but also, you know, Unfortunately, if someone loses the battle with their own demons, you can't take that personally. You can't say, I failed this person. I know that's going to be a hard pill to swallow for people. Trust me. Trust me. I get that. But you have to... You can't. You just can't. Unfortunately, you can't save everybody. And we we adopt that mentality at work. It's hard to attribute that to our buddies that are right next to us, that are shoulder to shoulder with us. But... It's something that we have to keep in mind. It's a tough pill to swallow. I'm not saying it's not. So anyway, keep that in mind. Um, So yes, suicide and mental health, very near and dear to my heart. I've had other friends, non-law enforcement officers take their own lives. And that's why mental health is so important to me. That's why we are having these conversations. So we've got Ben this week. We've got Dr. D next week. Then we've got uh, Amy Beckler and Erica Gaines, and then we're going to do a couple cop episodes, and then we're going to go back into mental health, and that's just kind of how the show is going to go. We're going to be back and forth between just rah-rah cop stuff and pro-mental health, and we're going to mix up every, each of it with itself. That being said, we're going to take the pin out of what I was going to say before. So everyone knows, or you should know, and if you don't know, I'm going to explain it to you right now. A uh, guy I consider one of my best friends, Jason Rayner, was killed in the line of duty over the summer. And it was very severe, and and it was very tragic. And ultimately, between Jason and Pat, uh, made me decide to take a step away from the road, from law enforcement. I'm still employed by a law enforcement agency, just I'm not on the road. I'm not on the road, and currently I'm not doing anything law enforcement-based. Not to say that's going to be forever, but that is my step right now. Um, I'm going to go into all sorts of depth and detail regarding that. Um, I'm actually going to be on the Street Cop podcast very soon with Jenna Romano talking about that in depth. Keep an eye out on my Instagram for that information. Again, uh, I will have a full episode on the Street Cop podcast coming up soon regarding why I left law enforcement, the impact that Jason Rayner and Pat Erlinson had on my life, and I'm going to be talking all about that. We were recording it um, in a few days. So, Keep that in mind, but I did. We're gonna go into this. Ben and I, we're actually gonna start the conversation talking about this. So if you haven't heard, you must be under a rock. But yes, um, in the beginning of October, uh, when I found out that Pat took his own life, I had what I've been describing as a breakdown, where I just could not continue doing the job that I was sworn to do, and it was a very difficult decision to me. And I said, you know what, I'm out. And luckily, by the grace of the chief of police where I work, he saw value in me and kept me uh, employed, which is says a bunch about him as a person, him as a law enforcement leader, because I literally have only been, in, at that time, was only employed there for like a month. And he was like, no, we don't want to let you go. Here's your new assignment. 
So that being said, Ben and I are going to talk about that in the beginning of the episode, and then we're going to talk about Ben's um, unit and things like that, and just mental health in general. Uh, if you have any questions about Ben or about the program that Ben runs, uh, check the description of the podcast post on either Anchor, Spotify, or even the Instagram, and um, the information will be there. All that being said, I think we are ready to start the show. Hope you guys enjoy it. It is a great one. One of my favorites. Ben is one of my favorite people that I've interviewed. Uh, Ben and Dave together, they are the dynamic duo. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Corporal Ben Stombaugh. There's just like yellow pads and papers everywhere. It's just uh, unbelievable. If you could see everything that's on my desk right now, it's uh, I like to live in organized chaos, and this is this is perfect. So yeah, but you get a lot done though, you know. So like I, I try, man. I feel like I feel like my mind is always going like ten different things at once. Well, you seem to always have like four podcasts in the hopper and ideas for the next ones, and you're doing your memes and like. Jesus, dude! I get up and play games on my phone like a dummy or whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I do that also, and I think I don't know. Like, uh, my my work now is very much more sedentary than I'm used to. It's different, man. Like, I'm used to just always being on the go. Before I was a cop, I did call. Um, I worked in a call center, so it was okay. But um, I mean, it's similar, you know. So I, 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 it isn't like uncharted territory for me. But I don't know. There's just so much more downtime the agency i work for now is way slower you know it's 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 much more suburban than where i came from which was always going how big was your pd before where you were uh we were about well we were supposed to be about 250 300 somewhere around that oh okay so we're about two okay yeah that's kind that's about where i'm at now like one 120 or so but they're they're rapidly building but i mean we're the burbs man like you know there's like a sports pub. I don't even think there's a uh, a movie theater, you know. So it's like, yeah, you know, very bedroom community, you know. Oh, and okay. So by 
10, 11 o'clock at night, everyone's pretty much down. You know, everyone's sleeping. No one, you know, except for the crazies. Is that what bedroom community means? Bedroom community means like they live here and then they go work someplace else. So wow. they like the, oh. the family stuff's here. So it's not like my my last place was was a hustle bustle metropolis sort of where it was a tourist spot. There was so much going on at any given time. College town, all that. Mm-hmm. This, not so much. Now it's just families. So I was thinking about coming out by um like Clear Clearwater or St. Pete's or something with okay. the family just because it's so shitty here right now yeah just switch things up for like four days but i don't know when that'll be anyways just let me know man yeah so um so you're you're changing directions a little bit i am um you know i had i had so much stuff go on over the summer and i was in the uh their version of onboard training like before you hit the road for field training they do like their in-house stuff and uh they're trying to make it almost like their own mini academy I was in the middle of it, and there was more stuff going on with me personally, and I just hit a wall. I hit a wall where uh, I couldn't go any further. Like I literally could not muster up the effort to do more. We had a uh, we did building clearing search um, training, and then right after that, after lunch, we did uh, active shooter training. And literally on my lunch break, I hit that wall. I went to training, and I w- I was like I well, I asked for permission to go to my buddy's funeral is what happened and that's what hit me in the wall and then they sat me down we talked and uh this was like i I don't want to do this right now you know like it was it was weird i've never in six plus years want thought that way you know yeah and you worked at a call center before so you clearly like this has been your thing for some time this isn't like a fleeting hobby like you were very invested right right well you mean as far as like policing goes? Yeah. Yeah, no, I so I was I worked in just a, a regular like consumer call center stuff like that. And uh that's how I paid my way. Well, that's how I worked through the academy. And oh, I then, misunderstood. I misunderstood when you said call center. Oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Um I, well, my first uh my first time through my first ever law enforcement job or attempt was I applied for dispatch where I used to live. But that was, you know, six, seven years ago, probably eight years ago now. Um, and then I did the call center thing, and then I went to the police academy, and then I did that single, single-mindedly single for six-plus years, just policing. And then with this, luckily, you know, the chief could have let me go. I was brand new. You know, I had maybe a month in the agency. He could have been like, all right, bye. But he didn't. The chief was very receptive to what I was going through. And he was like, you know what? You know, you're, you're a good guy. We spent all the money to, you know, vet you. And, you know, you, you passed all our background process. So we want to hold on to you. And I was like, sure, I'm down. Let's let's go. And it's, you know, it's been such a relief. Not that, not that dispatch isn't stressful or anything like that, because that wasn't my issue. You know, job stress, I'm, I'm good with. But my, my, the thing I couldn't get around was like getting shot in the face. That, that's where I was like, you know, I'm done with that part of it. And that so. was that was such a um, that was such a real like a new fear for you because I mean obviously that's we all agree that right. that's a fear for us. And I think sure know. no I think um, it became so much real so much realer over the uh, summer that I started like weighing risk versus reward and like. You know, when I started, I was gung-ho, you know, 
I was blazing and just just going. And as my life got more serious on my personal side, you know, met met the girlfriend, made the move, blah blah blah. Um, it was already I was already starting to do that balance, but then you know, seeing everything that I went through over the summer, I was like, it the the scales tipped, where it was no longer like I need to, you know, run after somebody for any reason, you know. Yeah, well, you start you start to do that, right? You start to go like, uh, you know, I know I know having kids did that. I well, it was weird as I got into the profession. My son was born while I was in the academy, mm. and my daughter was born a year later. Um, and it was I had a much different outlook. I never got the um, like I always liked chasing bad guys and stuff. And I think as far as like it being like a getting shot or whatever, that's always a real fear. But I just personally don't. I just couldn't afford to think like that because I just couldn't do the job if I did, right? Sure. Um, but I definitely was missing that. And um, a friend of mine always talks about this. He says that it's u- like unique or weird or almost like uh, – he doesn't say less than, but it's almost like you're missing a, a piece of, of your career. I never got as excited about catching bad guys as a lot of people that I went to the academy with did. I did it, and I was I was decent at it, and I liked it, but I never took any real personal pleasure in it. Mm-hmm. I, it always felt like a necessary evil. So if some guy beats his wife up and we chase him down an alley and get him, that's good that we got him. But I already had kids, and I was already 30. So I had this, like, uh, bigger picture, and I'm not saying that to make myself sound wise, but, like, I had a bigger picture, like, I was sort of like, well, this sucks that we had to do this. And mm-hmm. it sucks that that girl got beat up. And then you start thinking about your family and stuff. And I just like, it was never like, oh, we got him. High five. I was always just like, Ugh, that guy's a, that guy was horrible. Let's put him in jail. But I yeah. didn't like, take any pleasure in it. And that kind of does a weird thing to to your career. It, look, it looks different. Your, your highs aren't as high, but I also think my lows weren't as low. I was just sort of. Right. Just kind of treading water and, and it, you know, treating it like, like you know. It kind of took the so many people I think put make this so uh, too too personal, you know. Like if they catch the guy, if they don't catch the guy, it's on them. And in, in actuality, it's it's not. You know, it's yeah. Not. And I never did. Yeah. I never. I mean, I got ten years in now, and I started this doing this the wellness and support division in February. So I had ten years on the road, and I just never like I liked getting bad guys because I didn't want them on the street, but I never like. I just was missing that. I think I think it's because I started later. If I started at 23, then I might be a little more like, you know, like fuck yeah, dude. Like we we showed that guy who's boss. But yeah. I just was like, I got I got a I got a kid, and this all sucks. Right, right. I mean, I think I think you're just your priorities are totally different. You know, like, and I I definitely agree with that. And I you know that's kind of where my mind was going as well. Was like. And, and that was over the time, over a course of time, where I started very gung ho and like, yeah, let's get this guy. And if we don't get him, you know, the, just the camaraderie and, and adrenaline thing that goes with it. But then as time went on, I was like, eh, so what? We didn't get that guy. No big deal. You know, like it's yeah. cool if we did. Do it. not bad if we don't. Um, yeah, they're now the war on drugs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's and that's the thing though. Like, I was looking at what we were risking things for and that's that's where my mind was shifting um you know over the over the summer i had a very very real look at things and you know that's just kind of where it where it went 
Um, but I will say that my new supervision from my direct training officers, the ones that I was dealing with day to day, uh, through their start, through, through the entire chain of command up to the chief, very receptive over mental health and just, you know, making sure that I was good. You know, they could have, uh, my, they don't have lieutenants here, but my commander kept reaching out to me repeatedly. Hey, you good. Did you, you know, did you follow up with EAP, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I appreciate that, you know, cause it's so easy and so frequent for just to get thrown to the wolves. Like, Hey, you'll handle this on your own and you know, best of luck to you. Um, so we're kind of, <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's take a step back, um, and we're going to talk about all that. So, this is Ben. This is this is my guest this week. Um, ben, what? Do, wh- let's um, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick. Uh, your position, what uh, what you do, and then we'll kind of tie that into what I was just talking about. Okay, so um, <clears throat> Ben, and I have uh, ten years law enforcement experience. Uh, I am a corporal at the moment. All ten of my years were active in patrol until February when I took over for the uh, the HPD wellness uh, unit coordinator is what we call it. And uh, it's the division that is comprised of myself. Okay. So I'm in charge Army of... Army of one. Yeah. Yeah. But until then, it was it was 10 years, all in patrol, 911 cop, rotating shifts every four weeks, midnights, oh, afternoons, days, midnights. Four weeks? Yeah. And backwards too. You do midnights and then four weeks later, you do four of afternoons and you do four Ooh. of days. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I don't want to get off track, but I one time I went to a wellness like um, class, you know, over the weekend, and they had like this test, and you get certain points for how many times you've changed your sleep pattern, how many times you've moved, how many times you've been divorced, blah blah blah, whatever. And I, I I filled out the score, and I gave it to the lady, and she was like, oh okay, we got a joker in the class, you know, and she was like, haha, real funny, uh, you know, she's like Ben thinks he's, and I was like, oh. No, no, the, I didn't. I actually was trying to make it sound. And she goes, "This is like one of the worst scores I've ever seen." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, yeah, and I felt really, I got really self conscious. Like, oh, then uh, I made up that part about uh, my drinking problem. If you wanted, right, change. right. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, so ten years uh, in patrol. I was nine one one cop patrol. I am an FTO. Uh, I'm an evidence tech, which is what we call them here, crime scene unit. You know, mm-hmm. um, photo, photograph prints and uh, blood and guts and swabs. Um, I'm a crisis negotiator, crisis slash hostage negotiator, whatever you want to call it. And I think those are the main feathers in my cap. So yeah, I did, I essentially about eight, nine years in, I started going to these classes because I was an, I was an FTO and there's a lot of downtime as an FTO, you know, between calls where you're saying you know you're just telling them you're trying to opine about whatever life advice you can right some right. cop stuff some normal stuff and i kept coming back to these things these tenants that i kept saying like um i kept going like hey make sure that you have friends that aren't cops by the way this is a part of the program i'm just going to tell you make sure you do that and i would say hey just make sure you have hobbies too uh kind of like we talked about hey don't take this personal and i started giving them these little the so-called nuggets if you will and I was noticing more and more stuff I was saying was not police related. It was police related, but it wasn't tactical and it wasn't whatever. Right, right. And so I started going to classes because I thought the more I learn about how to take care of your head, the less we make the news, right? The, the less 
you're stressed out and you reach for your taser and you actually grab your gun and you make the news. And so, um, or, or you lose your mind on a call and maybe your use of force is not what you normally do because you took your home life with you. Uh, so I started thinking about that kind of stuff and going to these classes. And as I was going to these classes, I was hearing some staggering numbers that I wasn't aware of. Like, like, like cops, we kill ourselves four times more than bad guy gets us. That's, dude, that's bananas. Four times more was the worst number I heard. And those are the ones that are reported. How many guys right. were cleaning their gun? And it went off. At least that's what the report says, because if the report doesn't say that, then your wife and kids don't get the insurance money or whatever. So I think they're worse than four to one. So I started going, oh, my God, this is this is crazy. And we eventually, myself and a couple of people at the PD pitched it to admin. We pitched the idea of, um, hey, we need to do something with this mental health thing. We got to get like a, uh, just like a wellness something and i didn't think it was going to be a full-time gig i thought we just parlayed into like our supervisors sure, sure they they ended up uh making it a one-person division and that person did it for a year and then they kind of tapped me to take over so that is um that's it that's what that's what i'm doing now it's you in a nutshell so what what is everything that you do in this in this position so it's funny man because um hopefully people will listen to this and reach out to me and they will help me as well because what it is it's funny i've I've talked to a few people that have wellness units or whatever you want to call them and and most of them are bigger departments so it's kind of a different animal we're about 200. and uh every time i talk to somebody and i go hey what does your day look like what does your week look like because this is a new job and the chief doesn't a hundred percent know what my routine is because i don't know because it's he's, not, he's not really sure what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And so how do you know if you're doing a good job? And how do you quantify how many people didn't have heart attacks and how many people didn't get depressed, go under depression? Um, so I keep asking these people, hey, what does your week look like? What does your day look like? And they all laugh and say the same thing. And I've had some people reach out to me and say, hey, what does your day look like? And I go, dude, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's awesome because I, I tend to be a creative type. And it's good for creative types because it's not like, here's your task list. You have to, what I do is I have this whiteboard in my office and it looks like, you ever see that TV show House? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They would like write all the symptoms down. It, dude, it looks like an, a goldfish with ADD drinking Mountain Dew wrote all over my whiteboard and I have all this stuff and I try to whittle it down. And sometimes I'll grab somebody from the hallway and I'll go, hey, come here a minute. And I'll literally <laughs> bounce stuff off them. Uh-huh. And I'll go, hey, what do you think of this? And they'll go, well, that doesn't mix. And I start scratching things off. But what I do is I focus on essentially three different um, items. I focus on mental health, I focus on physical health, and I focus on fiscal health. Um, And sometimes that third one is like fiscal health, that's weird, but it's not at all because how many of us work too many side jobs? How many of us buy that boat and that motorcycle when it's like, don't do that yet, that's not smart. And so then what we do, we work more. Um, And I'll get into this, I I have a whole thing where I draw an arc on a whiteboard, mm-hmm. I did a PowerPoint presentation thing this year for mandated training, and it's I'll get into it. But we have the same arc. We all we're the same dude or woman. We're the same. We all do. We're different, but but this arc is so often replicated, and that is why uh, we are kind of like lemmings, and we all have these same pitfalls. We hit that. We all hit them, and myself, not excluded at all. But one of the big ones is money. We're bad with money, so we work too much. So when we work too much, what do we do? We don't see our family, so our family's less happy. So then 
so then we're arguing with them and so we're not happy at home so we bring that back to work and so eventually um you know things things go awry so yeah. i focus on those three things and what i do is i will just go all right this week we're pounding mental health stuff i'll look up articles um i will um look at our calls i'll go see the calls that people are on i'll do follow-up we have guys that are injured and out of work or guys that were on calls i actually had them add a thing to the the system we use called Spillman, um, and them add a circumstance code. So these guys can literally look out for each other, like peer out, like peer support. So if they go to a call and they go, hey, this one of these guys was a little bit visibly shook. This was a particularly violent one or a weird one. Um, <clears throat> well, a couple months ago, we had a, a, a woman that was murdered in our city, and it was particularly violent. It was very personal and very violent. And the people that went there, it was such a cool thing to see the change, man, because people instantly reached out to me within an hour and they go, Hey, you're going to want to double back on this call and check on this guy. And so back to my point, they can go into Spillman and they can add, um, we put like for our department, we put HACRT, which stands for Hammond critical. Um, so I can go in like a search engine and look in there and then be like this week, people flagged a couple of these calls. Okay. Who went to them and mm -hmm. why does that matter? And, and have they been to calls like that before? And so I do follow up. Um, and uh, I know I'm being super long-winded about it. No, 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 keep going. But that is kind of how I do it. So I'll focus on mental health. The next week I'll go, all right, guys, we're working on this weight loss challenge for the winter. We have this going on. We got to make sure our gym is squared away. Um, we're actually going to get a few guys um, certified to be personal trainers. So okay. that if somebody's like, hey, I want to work out, but I don't know what I'm doing, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make a routine for you. Um, and then I just do that. And, and then as things pop up, as we get these bad calls, these critical incidents, um, I follow up on those as well. And so you can see why it's not really like a, here's your task list. It's just, you know, we got a guy who's, who's out sick right now. We have, we have somebody who's, you know, pretty terminally ill. And so it's like that, that, that becomes the priority. So you do that. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And so I have 14 yellow pads around my office and a whiteboard and, Sometimes I will come into work and I'll go, you got a ton to do. And sometimes I'll go, okay, what are we doing today? So I pick up a yellow pad and I go, oh, you had this idea. Follow up on that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm, I'm like, that's so much, especially for you to do it all by yourself. Um, but I can see how it does take up an entire day. Uh, I just think of, we were just talking about, you know, the scatterbrainness of, of the organized chaos. And I'm like, man, you know. I could totally see myself being that squirrel being like, all right, what, what am I working on today? Where do I have this? Right. Go? I just think of that picture of Charlie day from it's always sunny where he's got like all the white, all the <laughs> boards connected with the string and everything. I Dude, totally that's hilarious. It. Cause in my PowerPoint that I do, I have that clip in there to demonstrate, <laughs> to demonstrate, you know, people being stressed out. Cause he goes, would you settle down and have a cup of coffee? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Happy Sylvia. Happy Sylvia. This is there. <laughs> The man does not exist, Mac. Yeah. And all of this, you know, this peer support and everything, is that – so you, you've obviously changed – well, maybe not you single-handedly, but this unit that you've assisted in starting, it seems – did it change the culture of your agency or was it always kind of like peer support, let's look out for everybody, or is this something that this unit kind of facilitated? It's cool because I'm seeing it change like right now. Like, mm -hmm. like right now, like, like I talk about that, that, that call where we had that particularly brutal murder. Um, I don't think, I think two years ago they would just go, Hey, um, 
so-and-so went on that call. He was pretty messed up. Yeah, somebody reach out to him later. Maybe. Like maybe, right? But now it's systematic. And I write down, hey, I checked on this guy and I write down what date I did. And so then when I come in with my crazy brain, I go, okay, it's been five days. Follow up with him. It's more systematic. And uh, and, and not not just me, but the whole, the whole stigma is rapidly, rapidly being removed. Um, it's unbelievable how, how quick it's, it's so weird because you, I, I was very, um, like trepidatious about some of these moves because I was sensitive to, to criticism. You know, I was going, people are going to, uh, it's the hug police, right? Oh, the hug police go, go talk to Ben. If you're sad, you need a hug. Oh. There's all these jokes. And it's like, yeah, the jokes are funny and whatever. And I would probably make them if I was there too. But people say that. And so then I go, oh, people aren't going to be receptive to this. This is too, this is too, um, it's too touchy feely. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's way too touchy feely. Those people that I thought wouldn't be into it at all will walk by the office. And it's funny because I have like, you can see in the background, I have this boil kettle like i make like french press coffee or whatever. I'm just, i like coffee right so i make like my fancy foo-foo coffee but it's hilarious because people will go oh this is where you're at now huh oh this is what are you doing you got coffee and they sort of make jokes or whatever then they sit down they have a cup of coffee then they're there for 45 minutes so that's another part of my day too is like i have something planned but if somebody comes in and oh they're fine right they're fine they don't need anything good okay awesome you're fine well you want some coffee sure awesome coffee but i'm fine awesome good. You're fine. They have a cup of coffee. They're sitting there talking and they're like, yeah, man, this is, this is a new thing, you know, but they're fine. Then they start going, I did have a couple weird calls, man. You know, some of the worst ones I've ever, then they start telling me the worst calls I've ever had in their, in their career, but they're fine. And then they start telling me, yeah, but you know what, man, I got, uh, uh, my, 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 my teenage kid, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And there goes, then they go on for 15 minutes, but they're fine. Right. So I keep saying that because I go, okay, good. Good, you're fine. You have you have no issues. You have nothing to talk about. You have no problems, and that's good because I'm not a therapist. I don't pretend to be, but as long as they keep going, like, uh, yeah, I don't need anything. I don't. I don't need anything. It's almost like it's. Almost, I'm trying to. It's almost like the guy who like says like, no, I'm not hungry. I just want a bite. And the next thing you know, like they've eaten the whole meal. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's like that because people come in like, well, I don't. I don't need this touchy feely. This is the hug place. I don't need. Next thing you know, they've told me things that they're worried about. They've told me things that that caused them stress, things that they, somebody, they wish somebody would have done in their career. And it makes me very happy when that happens because those were some of the tougher cases. Mm-hmm. So if they're doing it, then these brand new guys are like, you get young cops on the street, it's not weird at all for them. They'll be right. straight I, up. I agree. Hungry. I think if you if you really start this um, resiliency training, this, this you know, um, officer wellness from the beginning, which – it was starting when uh, six years ago when I was in the academy, it was starting to make that way. But it was like you said, it was, hey, make sure you have a hobby outside of work. Okay, on to the next thing. Like no one really dove deep enough into it, but it was starting and I'll, I'll appreciate it. But now my old agency, they're starting day one, a lot like what you're saying, they will have a wellness class and I never got a chance to sit it. So I, I can't say, you know, it's strengths or weaknesses, but I, I you're right. If you start it, immediately then it's not weird when it's an ongoing thing like if like you said people are now accepting and expecting people to kind of hey check on joey after this call that kind of thing like it's not yeah 
Yeah, and, and one of the, the I'll paraphrase or whatever, but one of the things that I really liked is that to change the idea of this whole, wellness is so vague, right? It's like, what does that mean? I don't know. It's just a buzzword. Call it whatever you want, dude. I don't mm -hmm. care what phrase you use. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but what is so cool is, is it's taking care of yourself. It used to be like, oh, what's wrong with him? Check on him because something's wrong with him. Something's wrong with him. He's broken. He's not working properly. He can't do this job. Of course there's going to be a stigma to that. Now, to me, taking care of yourself the same way you would your body. We go out there and yes. we lift weights and we do functional training and we do room clearing and we do evasive maneuvers and all this. We do that because we know when this happens, we need to be prepared. But for some reason, mental health is the only thing where we go like, oh, no, no, no. Just you don't need to – you don't need to – like, how can you spend zero, zero time and, and put zero calories into it and expect it to be any good at all? But yeah. I guess, sorry, man, I'm getting off track again. No, but, no, no, you're great. But one of my things that I really like is that taking care of yourself isn't weak. It's the opposite. It's, it's, the, it's the total opposite because what you want to do is you want to build resilience so that when you go to that particularly brutal murder or I got, I got kids that are 9 to 10, I need to be able to go to a call where there's kids and not – be a, a heap of tears and shit. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't, you can't afford to do that. It's not, it's not weak to prepare yourself. It's you're making yourself stronger. You're making yourself resilient. So I go to a call with kids and I go, that really sucked. This makes me feel a certain way. I'm aware of how it's making me feel. I observe it. Now I observe it. Let me deal with it. Let me find out what this means that I'm feeling that instead of just going like, I'm not fucking don't be a pussy. It's just not effective. It just doesn't work. You know what I mean? It no, might. No. And how, how often do we hear about that? You know, you, it builds up and builds up and builds up. And then when that cup falls over, then it's, you know, it's, you're so much worse for the wear. Uh, meanwhile, if you can tend to the issue as it's coming in, I think, like you said, you're, you're building that strength. And I can say very comfortably that I've, I've always had a very, decent grip on my own mental health for the most part, you know, and, and it's something that I learned as far as, uh, coping mechanisms, which I want to talk about in a little bit. Um, it, it made me realize, Hey, this isn't good. This is better, blah, blah, blah. But I, I tried a lot. I tried very hard to not take work home with me in a negative way. Like my, my young nieces and nephews, they were always like, Oh, tell me a story. Kind of kind of thing. Oh, and I, I hate that. Yeah, I do and I don't. I mean, they were they were so innocent about it that I didn't mind. Like I would tell them, like, "Oh, at, at work last night we did this." And it was I tell like, them oh. funny ones. I tell them funny stories. Exactly. That's what I would do. I wouldn't tell them the gruesome ones. I wouldn't tell them whatever. Um, but yeah, I you know you talk about the kid one, and I have young nieces and nephews, and I remember I went to one where a three year old drowned, and everyone, it, that was the first one where I had to sit. I was in training, and my sergeant sat down with us and was like are you guys good you need to go home blah 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 and i was like no i'm okay like legit not even tough guy i'm okay yeah but it did make me like text my sister right away and go hey just watch the kids around the pool you know just that that um mind mindfulness of it yeah but you know i i i was prepared for it you know what i mean i guess yeah i okay so when my kids were I don't know, two and four, three and five, something like that. I went to a call and, uh, God, this still makes me kind of mad. So I went to a call. Um, just it does, the call doesn't matter. It involved kids, right? So I went home and I didn't, I didn't know how to 
I didn't know what to do. I gotta know how to how to deal with it, right? And I don't know that I do now either. That's a fucking it's a tough one, right? Um, but I remember coming home and it was like um, I felt like a little kid who was like throwing a fit and didn't know what to do. Like, so I knew that I felt sad about the kid thing, and then I obviously, you know, saw my kids in them or whatever. So I came home and I was like uh, giving them like extra, you know what I mean? I'm like hugging them more and doing whatever. And I, people don't, you, you don't get it unless you do the job, right? So I remember I was being so extra so as to get noticed, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I needed to talk about it and I didn't know how. So I thought if I show how much this is bothering me without saying it out loud, then my wife or whatever will go, did you have a bad day at work? And then I can maybe vent or whatever. Well, instead, and it's not her fault. She didn't know. And like, if you don't know, you don't know. So she was like, what did you have some kind of call at work or whatever? Like, but she said it like, like, like you're being so extra. Yeah. 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 And I was so, I was so instantly like embarrassed. You know, I was like, it was, it was almost like I was so close to, to properly venting. I was close. I needed to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it and I needed somebody to ask me. So instead, I felt like she was like making fun of it. So I instantly just shut down. I was like, no, no, work was fine. That was it. Yeah. Just yeah. cram that shit farther down. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, definitely. And I, and this was, dude, this was like five years ago, but I still remember because it was so, um, I felt so ashamed. Mm-hmm. I don't, which is weird. I don't know why I would, but I literally felt so ashamed for, for processing it in an embarrassing way. And so that is why we need to find whatever works for you. Right. Do it. Yeah. I, I remember my girlfriend and I were just started dating and we were long distance for three years almost um, up until me moving down here. And so, and we had opposite rotations. So when we would get together, you know, it was like a once a month thing or whatever. And I, I don't know how it happened, but every time I would go see her, it was the day after something critical happened. I remember being with her and we were out to dinner or whatever we were doing and something from work that I had just experienced kept like resurfacing in my brain. But I was like, oh, I don't want to sully the mood. You know, we're having a date night. Right, I don't want to yeah, bring right, this right. up. So I'm just going to cram it down and we're not going to talk about it. And she's a dispatcher, so she would understand. But I again, I didn't want to bring it up. You know, we only have one date night a month. Let's not bring yeah. this up. It doesn't need to be brought up right now. And I would cram it down and cram it down only until – I was called on the carpet about my negative coping mechanisms that I was like, all right, now I need to start talking about this stuff because if I don't, this is the bad stuff that's happening. You know, the adverse effects that's happening and yeah. you're right. It, and and that was when I became such a big proponent of at, at the very minimum talking to somebody, because if you don't get it out and you keep cramming things in that cup, it's going to cause a huge mess when it topples over. Yeah, and it always does. And everyone always thinks, no, not me, because I'm special. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about people thinking they're snowflakes, dude. Like, but you know, everyone else, everyone else needs to talk about it, but not you, right? Because you're right. the strongest man in the world. It's so weird. It's so weird how we do that. Yeah, it's um, you know, there's a there's a um Jordan Peterson, like just uh, whatever you think of him. Some of his uh, twelve rules for life are helpful to me, and one of them is treat yourself like someone you're responsible for. For helping, for taking care of. Okay. Yeah, I got it up on the yeah. Uh, but, 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 but treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping. Um, and I really, really like that one because if it was like, 
if it was, you know, like we're friends and, and, and I know something's bothering you, I wouldn't be like, no, dude, don't bring it up. Of course I'd be like, what's bothering you? Let's fix it. But when it's right. you, you think I don't have to because it's just me. And it's like, what do you yeah. think? Oh, absolutely. You? Especially like when the conversation about PTSD comes up and I'm always like, or I was, and I would say, well, you know, I'm, I wasn't in the military. I wasn't in any kind of critical incident. I can't have it because if my tough military buddy says he doesn't have it, then who am I? I can't be that guy, right. you know? So, and I will always compare how I'm feeling to how others are feeling. I'm like, oh, well, he's not affected by that. Well, I'm not affected by it because he was closer to that situation than I was. So, and yeah, and I how many people so- do both, you know? Yeah. How many people yeah. serve overseas and then come here and it's like, well, I, you want more trauma? Okay. Yeah. More yeah. Trauma. But, but you know they're gonna be they're gonna be quiet and stoic about it probably just because they they don't want to talk about it because that's the culture that we currently exist in, and or but we're fixing and but yes so they're gonna be quiet about it and they're they're just a tough guy and I'm like shit man I can't let this whatever call bother me because it's not bothering this guy and I think that's what we do we compare you know how oh, yeah. we're dealing with things to other people well, well yeah and not only that but we compare okay so if someone went did a tour or whatever they saw the craziest stuff not making you know of course that deserves all the respect in the world but when i think of that i tend to think of they saw like you were in like the shit right like you saw like this wild crazy you know traumatic events violence things like that um what i think gets us more than that so like we've all seen like some bad calls but those honestly are not the ones that bother me what changes the way your brain is wired and what changes how you are and who you are as a person is the constant exposure to cynicism and negativity. And we don't, we, that dude, that has changed me way more than Mm. seeing some dead bodies or whatever, even kids. Like it's tragic, but you go like, we all are on the same page. We all agree that seeing this tragic stuff is bad. And so there's not a lot of stigma around like, Oh, you didn't like seeing those bodies. Some, it bothers some people. It doesn't bother some people. That's not the point. My point is what's really going to change the way your brain is like literally wired is every day seeing people on their worst day and every day seeing fucking dude, bad parenting is my number one trigger, man. I can't stand it. And in in 10 years of patrol, all I did was see bad parenting nonstop people fighting in front of their kids. And I would just go home and and that's not a traumatic event, but it's me gritting my teeth for a long time, literally. And, mentally you know what i mean yeah, so, yeah. like there that i think changes the way you are so um i don't know how much crossover you have but i did a podcast for many many years um i think we're we just did our last one and um the guy i do the podcast with when i first started i was very new in this career and he had like 10 years on already we used to argue about things and i was very much more uh, i won't say left-leaning but i was very more open and liberal to ideas and like you know, hey man, give everybody a chance, man. You know, I was like, you know what I mean? Like you're just, I would always say like, you're you're just cynical and you're just jaded and that's why you think that. And he's always laugh and go, dude, give it time, watch. You will come to my side of the argument. I won't come to yours. And I'm just telling you. And I go, yeah, cause you're jaded and cause you want to win the argument. <laughs> um, and he, he's like, whatever. Well, fast forward eight years and we're uh, talking about something off the mic, you know, before the mics are heated up or whatever. And, uh, he starts and I'm complaining and he starts laughing and I'm like, what? And he goes, I told you, I knew if I just did nothing and waited, this job would change the way you think and speak and talk. Sure. Um, sure. And it, and it, and this is someone who didn't, I didn't want 
his name is Dave. I didn't want Dave to be right because I don't like when Dave's right. <laughs> I, I didn't want to be wrong because I don't like when I'm wrong. Um, I was aware of it. I started the job at 30, so I had life experience. Still makes you like uh, I always do this with my hand, talking with my hands. It's still, if you start here, you still cannot help but slide to the middle at least. You just can't help it. Right, sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when I started, I was much more on the left side of things, too. And now seeing society daily and what it does and, and what works and what doesn't work. And let's let's be honest, like 90 percent of what we see is what's not working in society. Yeah. Um, you're right. It does change it. And, you know, I am not to get political, but sort of. Um, I am no party affiliation. I, I do not have a party, right? But I have noticed, and, and throughout my, my voting life, I have voted for every single party. You know, I voted Democrat, I voted Republican, I voted Libertarian, whatever. I just. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm throwing them, trying to see. Yeah. I, I, I refuse to, you know, just tie my, tie my string to one horse. You know, if, if yeah. the guy or girl has an idea, I'm going to fly onto that idea, not to the party that they're attached to. But I will say as, and I'm sure it just comes with age also, but as I've seen more and kind of experienced more, it's kind of, it's the horse has definitely pulled me more towards the middle at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like you said, you start, you build this, this mental callus of, of society, you know? And it's like, Whoa, like this, you know, this touchy feely stuff really doesn't seem to be working as well as I thought it did when I was, you know, 18 up to you know 25 or whatever it was. Yeah, and you'll hear people talk about hope and change and dreams or whatever, and that's not an Obama thing. That's just a thing. Like you'll hear people say like, oh, we as a people can rise together and do this. And in the back of your mind going, I've seen what you can do as a people, and it ain't that good. It ain't that pretty. (laughs) So when you're like, you know, we need to give power back to the people. I'm like, "Uh, do we? But do we? (laughs) Right. that's, That's not me being political either. It's just you see people do things wrong so many times. And so then I bring that back around to wellness. It makes you more cynical, and uh, I'm I'm not a scientist, but I'm sure being being cynical and being negative is bad for you. I'm just I'm just sure of it. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have the uh, the numbers, but but I have a brain and I have eyes. Yeah. and you know you, you that. can tell that this equal very bad. That's kind yeah, of that guy that's that guy that's got 25 years of patrol is everyone's stupid and everyone's a liar, and it's like you're miserable, and that can't be good for you. It can't be good for your family, um, and so. There's no way to combat all of it, but there are like, I always refer to them as like little wins. When I talk about like my office here, um, people go like, hey, what do you got going on? I'm like, dude, just little wins. I'm just trying to get little ones because I'm not going to be like, oh, you guys, I came with this idea that's going to make you all happy and more money and it's going to make your wife not have cheated on you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I can't do that. Right. So, um, which by the way, this is on my soap, I'm on my soapbox, uh, soapbox, cops get a lot of flack for bad marriages um because we're bad at them so that's fair but um it's always like oh you can't trust a cop because they cops are known for being like just screwing up their marriages with other people oftentimes and there's truth to that yeah but here's what i'm gonna have the most unpopular opinion in the room cops work weird swing shifts and that doesn't always work out for them either cops Mm -hmm. don't come home at night when they work mid mid sometimes um if, if you think that that, that that knife doesn't cut both ways sometimes, you are out of your mind. Sure. You are out of your mind. It's always like, oh, these cops are bad at marriages. Well, yeah, 
but working the weird shift work, um, I, I, listen, I don't have a degree in this either, but I know that if you don't come home and sleep with your wife, they will either A, get used to them not, you not being there. They'll get used to you not being there. That's a bad thing. Or they'll find someone to spend their time with. That's a bad thing. So yeah, I don't you're even right, know you're right. I don't, I'm going to start paying you my therapy bills now, but like yeah, <laughs> saying, it, it goes both ways. Um, when we, when we talk about like the things that we do, we do a lot of things to shoot ourselves in the foot. Well, it's not always just us. That's true. That's true. I think, I think a lot of times we, we are worthy of the blame a lot of times, Oh yeah. but um, obviously, but at the same time, I think we also have, like you said, so much around us that we can blame as well. And I think we, you, you were talking earlier about, you know, buying the boat when you shouldn't have to, or, you know, taking that unnecessary risk in whatever the case may be. And I feel like, and I've talked to people on the podcast in the past about like these dangerous behaviors that we are just kind of susceptible to on and off the job. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we're just so used to doing that. And I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not exactly sure why we set ourselves up for this way, but like, give me an example. Um, well, obviously buying something that you don't need to. So you're going to put yourself more in debt working oh, extra financially. Okay. Yeah. Just, just in general, I'm trying to think of like a non, a non-financial way, but that was the one that was kind of, no, no, no. Know. That's a big one. It's a real big one. Yeah. Um, and just, I mean, how we spend our time off duty, you know, like when, when you're not on the job, what are you doing? Are you working? Are you doing work related things? Jobs, yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, you're going to keep working and then you're, you're not going to be around your family. You're not going to be sleeping properly. You're going to be stressed, everything. And there's no proper detachment from the job. So we set ourselves up for this failure. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like uh, I should have started the show with this. And when I do my training at, at the PD, uh, I start it with this. I should have. It's way too late. So people that don't like me already don't like me. But when I talk about all this stuff, like when I talk about mental health and making a budget and, and eating right and getting to the gym and all this stuff, um, I just feel like it's, it's it's some of these, especially if like if you're thinking about starting one at your PD or you're new or you're going to join one or whatever, I would say one of the things that I've learned is that like, you have to be so, at least me, I attempt to be so transparent about these things that I talk about. I'm not saying it, I'm not up on Mount Pius going, look how well I eat and I don't over, and I don't drink too much and my marriage is awesome. It's so important for me to get out in front of it when I talk to anybody to go listen. It's like, like that, um, Remember that, like, men, hair club for men or whatever? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Remember that guy was like, I'm not only the president of the company, I'm a client or whatever. <laughs> well, when I talk to the, to the guys I talk with, I always go, please understand that I'm not telling you this like I have this problem licked. I, every, anyone who knows me knows I probably drink more beers than I'm supposed to, right? Um, I don't have this perfect marriage that that is squeaky clean. You know what I mean? Um, I don't have an awesome budget. So I just feel like it's very important for me to go, just cause I'm saying we need to do these things. You know, I hate when I listen to like an expert go like, say like they've got like, you know, like a lot of people have that stigma around like a therapist. Like you're going to tell me how to live my life, but you're messed up. You know, it's like uh-huh. the, the, yeah, yeah. The, rough, the rougher whose house keeps leaking. So I'm never ever saying these things from, from the perspective of do like I do. I'm saying, Hey, I'm effed up too. And I have some real issues too. I do stuff that I can't really explain. I go see my own therapist guy. 
Um, and I just think that's really important to say because because people will tend to go like they they're going to judge you anyway. People are going to be cynical because we've already talked about that. That's how we are. Um, so I really do throw myself on the mercy of the court all the time. I'll go. You guys know me. You guys know I don't. Have, I I do go to the gym a lot. That's the only thing that I can go like do as I do, sort of, sort of. You know what I mean? But everything else is just. I don't know. I guess that's just maybe advice or disclaimer for me, for people that listen to this and go like, well, who are you? Well, I'm not anybody. I'm just, I'm right. just, and I that's, that was right. kind of the reason why I shied away from touching mental health on this show for so long was because I, I, I am the same box of misfit toys as everybody else. Like I have my own issues <laughs> that I'm not yeah. uh, handling well or whatever, but I've, you know, it's kind of like, because I've experienced it, I can kind of, give my insight about it. You know, I, I, I'm a regular guy who, you know, when, when I, (laughs) I think by seeing my own therapist and kind of, kind of working my way through my own trauma being like, all right, I can actively see that I am drinking too much. I am not eating properly. I am doing this. I'm doing that. And being open about it, you know, like when, when someone, you know, I feel like it's so hard for certain people, especially like on the older end of the spectrum to admit that like, oh, I'm not coping with this very well. I'm, you know, oh, I don't have a drinking problem. Like, dude, every time I see you, you're like two sheets to the wind. Like what's right. going on? Um, yeah, you, you said you wouldn't bring that up this whole show. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you know what's um, what's OK? So when I was doing the thing this year for the training, can we cuss on this show? I think I already have. I don't know. If yeah, you're... yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. I, don't, I try not to be, uh, you know, too overboard with it. Um, so we we were doing a bunch of blocks of training, and it was I was up next, and so everybody went on a break. Some people had a cigarette, whatever. People were coming in to to do the next block of training, and this guy walks in and he goes, "All right, let's do this class. It's time to sing Kumbaya and blow each other, or whatever." You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like he got a good laugh, and I was like, "That's funny." And I go, "Well, we're gonna do one of those things." <laughs> <laughs> and then I just like let it sit there uncomfortably for a while. But um, what was funny about that is I used it every day after that. I really did learn from it because there is – so I walk around. I use my hands a lot when I do my stuff. And I, I walk on one side of the room and I go, here's us singing Kumbaya and playing Sarah McLaughlin and uh, using a didgeridoo and, and using essential oils over here, right? And, and, and blowing each other, as you say. And then I walk to the other side of the room and I go, and here's us – not doing shit and killing ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you guys that are, that don't buy into this wellness term, fine. You don't like the term, whatever. Those of you guys that think it's stupid, understand that you're all, everyone in this room falls under the, here somewhere. We all fall under the category. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, um, go to Lilith Fair and talk about your feelings and cry in a heap, right? But I'm also saying I don't want you to go, no, dude, I'm good, and then hurt yourself. Like there are, most of us fall, if 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 the ladder is ten and one of those is one, most of us are a three to a seven. You know what I mean? Most of us are like, oh, I'm kind of okay. I'm kind of like you said, we're all misfit toys. We're all a little bit fucked up. I think we're there. So people that go like, I don't give any credence to this idea. My response to them would be like, Well, you're 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 here. You're somewhere in this spectrum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure. You're somewhere there. So you can't tell me like this is all bullshit because like we all have to deal some way your way may be to be like i'm just fine okay but but don't don't kid yourself that think that that's not dealing 
you are dealing with it by not talking about it or you are dealing with it by um, isolating yourself or whatever. And again, I don't have this problem figured out, but like it just you, you made me think that when you talk about like the older guys who aren't receptive to it, uh, because those are the dude, those are the guys that come by my office the most. And they go, oh, Stonball, you did pretty good for yourself in here. You know what I mean? And they'll make a few jokes. Dude, and they're there they're, they're for an hour. Yeah, and they're yeah. telling me how they wish this was here earlier. And some people are real quiet about it. But um, I guess that's just a super long-winded way of saying, like, we're all on the spectrum. It's just a matter of what you need and how you deal with it. Like, when I came home and I was, you know, hugging my kids and I didn't know, I didn't know where I was on that spectrum. I didn't know, like, where... I was emotionally and mentally, um, and I guess I'm slowly finding out, but it's a sliding scale too. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, as you were saying in the very beginning, talking about like, you know, your day is kind of ever evolving. You don't really know what you're walking into every day. I mean, you could go home tonight. There could be a massive critical incident that happens overnight. Hopefully not. And then you walk into the office tomorrow morning with a totally different plan than you may have done driving into work. You know, things oh, yeah. just change so quickly. And I feel like that's just kind of also how your mind probably goes when you are learning about this stuff too, and and affecting yourself as well. Um, you know, I you you always talk about Jordan Peterson, especially on on Hey My Man, but um, yeah. I'm well, just now kind of getting rules. into. Him. Got to have rules, or you've got damned chaos. Yeah. <laughs> that that was good. Um, like I'm just now getting into him and listening to. I've always been like kind of a self help podcast listener kind of guy, yeah. and. Every time I listen to one of them, I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I got to start thinking of that. And and I don't know. I feel like as we take in more information, we the, – the best of us – and I'm not considering myself one of the best of us at all. But take that information, whatever it is, and, and kind of mold ourselves to learn and grow from it. Whatever it may be. Even if you listen to somebody that you're like, I do not agree with anything this guy just said. Okay. But take what – Maybe there is something you can – even if what you're taking is not that. You know, that's not what I'm mm -hmm. about. And sure. I feel like for mental health and personal growth and development, that is just so important. You cannot be sturgeon in what you're doing. You know, you can't be not willing to change and adapt. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And um, I don't know. It's a tricky thing, man. I just keep thinking about doing my Jordan Peterson impersonations now. Yeah, that's that good. That guy. Um. No, it is. You have to. Well, when you say, um, like, even if you don't agree with what the guy's saying, okay, why don't you agree with it? Mm -hmm. Now let's look at that. So you, you, so uh, you, oh, for I just read Goggins' book, right, David Goggins, mm -hmm. and a couple chapters in, I was kind of like, I think I get it. I think I, I don't know if I need to finish the because his, his stuff is good, but at some point you go like, okay, even if your leg's broken, keep running. All right, cool. Like. Uh, Somebody shot out your eyes. Keep reading the book. Okay, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. like I, I started to fall off of it, but I learned something from that. At least I was sure. just going like, I don't agree with this. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Or like some people, like I was talking to a guy at work about like Jocko, and he's like, I don't like the guy. He's too hardcore. And I go right, but but there's the, he talks a lot about like how what is your goal? Like if your goal is to get something from your boss, um, sometimes. Do you go around him? Do you convince him it was his idea? There's a lot of different strategies. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess what I'm saying is like if you don't agree with what they're saying, then find out why you don't and solidify your opinion and go that way. 
You know, if you go like, I don't like the Goggins thing, the run too hard, I go, why not? And they go, because I think that there is a burnout factor and they don't acknowledge it. I go, okay, well, that actually, that's a good point. That makes sense. So be aware of your burnout factor, you know, or whatever. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Especially when you got someone like a Goggins or a Jocko. Um, I think their message is good. Um, I just don't necessarily always agree with their presentation of it. Yeah, Um, it's packaging, it's marketing of... Keep of course, of course, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and I mean, it, it sells, it sells great. I mean, Jocko has a terrible tasting energy drink that sells by the caseload. Because Dude, I read all those books to my kids, the way of the warrior kid. We've read all three of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're good. Um, they're I have, I have Jocko over on my bookshelf too. Um, but you're right, you know, and, and that's how I see it too, is that I may not necessarily agree or, or even like, you know, someone like who's more universally accepted, like a, like a Rogan, right? Like. Not everything he says, I take as gospel. Um, no, you shouldn't. No, and I, I, that's how I feel with everybody. I try to take a little bit. Same, same thing. The way we train, from like you know, you're not going to sit with the same field training officer your entire um, time coming up in the police department, or you're not going to be taught by the same guy typically. But you take what is good for you, and then you kind of mold everything together to your own. And that's how I see it when I'm reading different people, when I'm listening to different people. I try to make myself be a culmination of all this wisdom that I've gained. And I feel like that's how it should be. Well, and, and not only that, but um, as far as like, um, I'm sure people that have been doing this, I've only been doing this gig not even a year, right? Um, but people that, that are starting up a wellness unit or, or even not a wellness unit, but you're just being more mindful of and you're trying to be that change that you want. Like you're trying to be that guy that checks on officers. It's not your job, but you want to do it because you're a good person. Um, I would say that some of the advice that I got that I'm trying to take, but I'm not great at it is um, like, you have to also take care of yourself. And I'm never, I was never been good at that because there's all this stuff I'm preaching, whatever from Mount Pius. I'm very bad about like, I do that stuff. Like I, I, I'm that guy that goes like, let's take care of everybody else. And not cause I'm selfless or not cause I'm selfless, but I tend to just go like, if I do something for me, I feel selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. I'll go like, Hey, like I need a, I need a dude. I need a day to like, I need to go for a run and I need to go out. And like, um, sometimes reading helps me. I'm, I'm that weird guy that likes to go to lunch by himself. Sometimes if I need, um, like time to take care of myself, I have this knee-jerk reaction where I go, oh, well, it's all about Ben. It's the Ben show. You know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. something, that I le- maybe something that I learned from my wife. But, like, <laughs> my wife. But, like, um, I always felt before, like, you're, I'm being selfish when I'm doing stuff just for me. Especially after you have kids, you tend to think that way because when you have free time, you know, usually they take it from you. Um, but when you're in this position and people are coming to you, we already know what it's like to see everybody on their worst day from being in patrol, right? But now you've got like your brothers and your sisters coming to you and, and they've all got problems. And guess what? Every time someone's sick, they make sure they tell you about it. And every time someone's bothered by something or someone needs a day off, um, man, I wish we had a little more time because I tell you, we did establish a program too, where if somebody goes to a critical incident, um, and they need a day off, they come to me and mm-hmm. we get them that day off without penalizing them for it. They just have to make an arrangement to go see uh, a couple of people that we have on retainer or whatever. But okay. back to my point, every time someone's sick, they tell you about it. When someone had a bad day, they say every time someone goes through a divorce, they tell you about it. And so you're this guy who's the hug police and you're supposed yeah. to help everyone feel better. Well, guess what? Kind of everyone's making you feel like shit all the time in a weird way. Sure. You know what I mean? And I was, I was going to ask you about that because you, you do like when people come in by your office and they start, you know, 
accidentally unloading on you mm-hmm. and you said you're not a therapist. And I was wondering, I was like, well, what do you do with that? Like, do you, do you refer them to somebody? Do you, and then, and then what do you do yourself? Like, you know, you, I mean, oh. you say you, you see somebody, which is great, yeah. but um, that's a lot to take home with you. No, it can be a lot to take home with you. We're used to doing that as cops, but this is a different form of it. Now, what I do when somebody comes in, um, I'm always, again, I'm real upfront that I am not a mental health professional. Uh, I'm way on the other side. I'm on the couch way more than I'm on the chair listening to the guy on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's why I did the podcast for so many years. Is like I was like, dude, I got to say some stuff to somebody. But um, so basically, if they will come in and they'll go, hey, do you have the information for the our EAP program and that? I give them the info, and then I just say, please follow up with me and let me know if this person, particularly if they're not good, because I don't want to keep referring people to a doctor who isn't working for us. Um, so I give them, we have a couple people. We have a guy, I won't say his name, he wouldn't mind, but he's one of my really good friends in the department. Just um, absolute beast, uh, great dude, awesome leader on the floor. He's done um, several tours, right? And he's worked this job, and he also worked in Gary, Indiana, which he worked in Gary, Indiana during a time when it was just real bad, right? Not that it's good now. But this guy um, is so vocal and upfront, and he's very, very alpha, right? This isn't like a – this is not a hug, please kind of guy. He's very – he's as alpha as you have to be to do what he's done. Um, but he goes and he sees this this doctor that's you know within 30 minutes of us. And he tells anybody who will listen how great she is. And she does, to quote him, voodoo shit. And she fixes him because he's got he's got a, quite a few skeletons in his closet, right? Um, he's so vocal about it that we ended up getting her to be under our insurance. Because I went to the chiefs and, and, and I said, well, not me, some, me, me and some other people. And we said, hey, this woman is doing such good work. Like she's really, really fixing people. Can we get her? So um, – word of mouth. And then we have a couple people like that. So when someone comes in, I listen to them if that's all they need. I give them EAP if they want. I send them to um, these people that have been vetted. And uh, we start from there. And then I follow up. And what do I do for myself? Man, I don't know. I see a guy myself too. Um, one of the cool things about this job being flexible and open is if I have a day where I particularly, like people have unloaded on me a lot, uh, I, my hours are flexible, so I will go, well, I'm going to go take a lunch or I'm going to go for a walk or whatever it is I want to do. I need to go distract myself for a little bit of time. And um, because of not be, having a, a, you know, a, a shoulder mic attached to me at all times, I'm able to, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to like, if I can be mindful enough to go like, oh, this is affecting you a little bit too. Maybe go, maybe go take, you know. Uh, take a few plays off coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's good. It's good that you have that opportunity too. I feel like anybody in that position we have where I work now, we have a SISM, a uh, critical incident stress management team or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you know, to have, I mean, that's, that's a multi person thing. I want to say they probably have 10 people in it. We have. Um, Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have that on top of what you do. Yeah, I'm. That's my, like I'm in charge of that as well. Okay. So the post team, the peer officer support team, and the okay. peer officer support team also does the the SISM things. So that's another thing you talked about. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but nope. you talked about like what has how the stigma has changed, what has changed in a year or two. We have had several critical incidents. We had one, you know, involving um, we had an officer who died. We had a couple other things. We do these things called debriefings, which if you guys have a SISM team, you know about them. They're Dude, they are 
pretty impressive. I was blown away. I thought people were going to go like, this is too structured and it feels formal. It's very cool. You go around the table and you just say, say who you are and say what your duties were that day and what you did. Not how you feel about it. Just tell me what you did. Everyone goes around the table and they'd say what they did. And then you go the second time around the table or room or what have you, you kind of go, okay, uh, what, what was most impactful to you during this call? And then is your, then is your time to talk about what impacted you more. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's, it's set up that way for a specific reason, you know what I mean? And one of the, the side benefits is that you've already talked now. You've gone around the table. So there's not this weird, like, I'm not going to say anything. And if nothing bothered you, then you say, okay, nothing really stood out to me. But when you hear somebody that's got 10 more years on you, when I hear my buddy who's I was just talking about who's barely, barely alpha, if he goes, yeah, I'll be honest, this part of the call, that part I keep thinking about. I can't really get that part, you know, it's stuck in my craw. Um, then me, as a guy who has a few years on, I'll go, oh, well, if it's bothering him, then it's okay if it bothers me too. Sure, just it's like we were so, talking about before, yeah. Yeah, it's so effective, man. It's awesome. Yeah, I've been, I've been part of quite – quite a few debriefs this year but just in my in my short career and um i feel like it's always meant to be that way it's always meant to be very um but but when you do it it's it's with peers right it's not with mm-hmm. some doctor therapist that came in off the street that you don't know well you can do either we have we have chaplains that are like on board so a lot of times i will have one of the chaplains sit in and they're just there uh we, we've done it before. We had a mental health professional there. Um, we've done it when we haven't. I really kind of feel it out and I go with my gut on it. But I like to have a mental health professional and or a chaplain so that once everyone's done sharing, they, I can go, okay, cool. So doc or, or pastor or whatever, um, do you have anything to add? And a lot of times they'll go, hey, it was really impressive what you guys said. And then they'll give their tips and then just say, just know that you can always talk to me too. They're not there to talk a lot. They're there to just sort of guide yeah and and that's what i was going to say i've had the experience and this happened not too long ago where we had a doctor brought in and it wasn't a structured hey let's go around the room it's just like does anyone want to say anything and of course cops are so eager to volunteer for things so no nobody said anything (laughs) and um you know so it's like all right well if no one has anything to say you know i'm here here's my card whatever and everyone everyone lingered in the room Right after the structure broke down and they started talking about stuff in their own little circle, but they're fine. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, and and, you know, I was, I was guilty of myself and I was thinking like, this is what we should have been doing in the open forum, like with everybody to hear it. Well, when, when you do it, you're talking about like a, Hey, who wants to volunteer to be the weakest link? No one's going to do that. That's what I like about doing it with a structure. You just go, Hey, what were your duties that day? It was funny. So we had, we had uh, an officer pass away this summer, and the, the, we had the honor guard and some people from the FOP because they played such a the, the biggest roles. You know, they're with the family nonstop. Um, there were so many people that we broke it into like two groups of ten or something. It, it dude, the T briefs couldn't have been more night and day. Same structure, same everything. First one, I mean, the first time we went around the table. I don't want to interrupt people and say this isn't time for feelings. We're just saying what you did. It took. 45 minutes to get around the table because it goes, well, some guys walked us through their five days, almost everything they did. And then people were just expounding and and opining and, you know, and then we did, okay, we got a break. Now we have our second group come in and it was like, we went around the table in five minutes. Um, 
Well, I stood casket watch for whatever, and um, yeah, I was there on Thursday morning, and that's it. And everyone, and I was just like, oh my god, the 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 uh, the wide range of how people dealt with it. But it's it's you you choose your own level of commitment, right? I mean, right. the first group needed to talk, and I think once a couple people went long, I think people were like, oh, we're supposed to go long, right? Or or it's oh, okay for did. me to say more, yeah, for sure. And, and the opposite of the second one. People are like, oh, we're not here to talk a lot. So, But then when you do the second lap, you can always get more out of people if you want. But that whole method of you just, hey, who wants to raise their hand and say something is um, not – you're not going to have a ton of luck, I don't think. No, no. And, and the every debrief that I've been – and I've, I've also been to one where it's like one-on-one where like, you know, you just kind of go in, you talk to the person. I. Yeah. I, and for me, when I when I see a therapist or a counselor or whatever, I need to build that trust. I can't just come out all willy nilly and let me let me fly let me let everything fly at the first go. No, I gotta gotta test the waters a little bit. I bet there's so many people in my life that wish I was that way. <laughs> oh well, yeah, they're like Ben. We we said we have ten minutes. Uh, oh oh, I'm so bad about it. Especially if I have a drink or two in me, and then it's like I I feel so bad when I know I've I've talked to them for way too long, and they're like, "Hey, I gotta go. My my baby's on fire. Let me go take care." And I'm like, oh, "I'm so sorry." Yeah. Well, I was on the drunk pox. I was on the drunk cops podcast, and so yeah, you got, you got quite a slice of that. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, hey man, this has been great. Um, yeah. I, I really I really wish I had time to keep going because I feel for like sure. this is so great. As a matter of fact, when we when we part can you send me like whatever you have as far as like either starting or that slideshow or whatever you have i, I would like to take a oh, look yeah at. yeah for sure i'll send you as much stuff as i can and awesome. uh it's so funny i think because i'm most of it's because i'm long-winded but i feel like a lot of this stuff we just scratched the surface man you know i mean yeah maybe well, and disagree but there's there's so much more to you we talked no, about and, and yeah. i would i would like to revisit this soon because like there there is so much we can talk about and mental health has really become a, a first line issue for me. Um, and, and just the, the career in general. So let's read, let's revisit this soon. Um, but in the meantime, if people want to reach out to you and you know, if they're like, this is, this is good shit. Ben, Ben's onto something here. Hmm. Is there a way that they can contact you and start picking your brain about these things? Yeah. Uh, I absolutely will help anybody in any, I mean, literally you can, I, I don't know. Maybe cell phones a bad idea. Whatever. I give, I'll give you my email or whatever, and then maybe you can just attach it to this or something like sure. that. How you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, email would be. I, you can find me on. Listen to Hate My Mind podcast. You can find me on Facebook. All that stuff. Um, hopefully, I'll just send you this that you can attach it. But no, honestly, if if anyone at any at any level of putting one of these together, I I have I, I got less than a year here, so I don't have all the answers. Um, but but one of the advantages of it just being me at the moment is like. I'm just, I'm going, man. I got all kinds of ideas so I could help you. And, and I'm also looking for advice as well. So awesome. And, uh, and definitely reach out, um, Ben, this is great. And, uh, like I said, let's do this again soon. Yeah, man. It's good talking to you, dude. Absolutely. All right. Everyone listening, stay tuned. I'll be right back. See you, bro. I know you're clinging to the light of day to tell you everything's a Don't do much Yeah It just numbs the brain Guess you might say I'm a little intense I'm on the bright side of being hell-bent So Take it
lucky for me you're not the only one who can't see straight serve people from your cup you serve them from the saucer which overflows around your cup this is jordan peterson again right clean your room sort yourself out before you go out and you try to fix the world but what i like about it is that it makes us it reminds us that by contributing to our own sense of well-being by doing something meaningful that we care about that we know is going to make us a better person that everyone else comes along for the ride if you work very very hard on yourself, you're probably going to improve the lives of the people that are around you. There was a uh, a concept that I thought about when we were discussing that that just made me think how many people have tried to pour from a half full cup. 
how many people are trying to fix the people that are around them when they've got these gaping holes in their own mindset, in their own worldview, in their own daily routine. The same as being in a, an airplane, right? The masks come down. You have to put your mask on first before you help someone else. Because if you're suffocating, you're of little use to everyone. Now, that being said, this isn't an argument for uh, ruthless, selfish, uh, single-minded capitalism just for you. doesn't mean that you have to wait to be perfect before you can try and help other people, but that the best way to serve others is to make sure that you're sorted first. I think that's the main lesson to take away. Stellar words of wisdom from Chris Williamson from his podcast, Modern Wisdom. And I want to also thank Ben from the Hey My Man podcast and his own uh, brain for giving us some time and talking about his wellness program and things like that. Listen, guys, um, I wanted to wrap the conversation with Ben with that, that bit from Chris Williamson because that's kind of what I said to Ben as we were going through. You know, listen, I'm not perfect. I never claimed to be perfect. And if you ever hear me saying anything close to the sword, I must be on something because that's not me. I'm very open about my flaws. And I think it's it's a very big iron sharpens iron kind of thing. I want to take my experiences. I want to take my insight and knowledge and provide it to you. And I think that's kind of what we try to make possible to everybody i mean that's what we do when we work the streets right we're we're i mean sometimes yes you get caught in a situation where you're talking out of your ass and you hope to you know you see what sticks but a lot of times i don't know i can't speak for every cop out there but i know for me i would say listen man you know i've been in a similar situation and this is what it worked for me you know when you're trying to talk someone out of doing something illegal i've never been a felon you know i've never been a criminal so i can't really speak to that but you can speak about broad circumstances just like i've never been divorced i've never had child custody issues i've never had substance abuse problems but you can sort of you know i've never been suicidal but i can the whole thing about being an empath is putting your mind in other people's shoes that's a weird way to put it put your mind in your shoes whatever put yourself in other people's shoes um so that being said while we kind of get ourselves all sorted out I'm very happily going to grab people that I know are struggling, that are having issues, say, hey, you know, we're in this together. Nobody left behind. So that's just kind of what an, an idea that I wanted to kind of circle back to from what we talked about with Ben and just kind of put a cherry on top and say, listen, Ben's not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Dennis Benino's not perfect. Whoever it is, not perfect. But we are willing to help you, the generic you, uh, we are willing to help you in your time of need. So if you need any help whatsoever, of course, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Ben. His uh, email is going to be in the description below. And you can also reach out to my many other uh, partners and just kind of influences, which for me, uh, it's it's specifically the Resiliency Project with Nick Wilson. You got Jenna Rose Romano and then... Um, Project 109 in Connecticut. Those are the three big ones. And then we've got Ben. We've got Street Cop Training. We've got Nick uh, Wall, if your issue is uh, nutrition. All these amazing resources. And there's more. There are more out there. And we're, we're cultivating. The whole idea of the Code 4 check is we are cultivating this, this community. There are many things out here. I'm not reinventing the wheel. But I have this audience. I have people. I have a captive audience. I have people listening to what I'm saying. And I want to get things out to you. So... Hopefully everyone understands that. Check the the description below for those links and 
information. And now as we wrap the episode, we are wrapping the year. This is going to be the last bit of recording I do and release for the year of 2021. Hell of a year. Good, bad, and different. Um, listen, we can dwell on the bad, we can celebrate the good, or we can just accept everything for what it is. Amor Fati, loving fate. And that's what I'm going to try to do. That's what we all got to try to do. Um, there is no use complaining. Marcus Aurelius in meditation says, everything that happens is either endurable or not. If it is endurable, then endure it. Stop complaining. If it's unendurable, then stop complaining. Your destruction will mean its end as well. Just remember, you can endure anything your mind can make endurable by treating it as in your interest to do so. In your interest or in your nature. And Marcus further on goes, when you wake in the morning, tell yourself the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surly. None of them can hurt me. Don't waste the rest of your time here worrying about other people. It will keep you from doing anything useful. Why do you complain rather than act? And I could keep going on and on with stoic uh, philosophies and insights on complaining, but point is, what good does it do? If it's endurable, endure it. If it's not, endure it anyway. That's what I want to take into, listen, 2021 served us all a heaping pile of shit one way or another. Actually, the past couple of years have. But it's time to take that and use it as motivation. The obstacle is the way. Our inward power, when it obeys nature, reacts to events by accommodating itself to what it faces, to what is possible. It turns obstacles into fuel. What is thrown on top of the fire becomes fuel for the fire. Okay, well, I got one more uh, Stoic quote in, so sue me. But great mindsets, great ways to think about it, and that's what we're going to do going into 2022. Everybody, if you agree with that, let me know. Uh, comment, call me, whatever it might be. Uh, you know what, Here, here's the jingle for the call real quick. The 10A Podcast is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Just kidding. But the 10A Podcast is made possible because of people like you taking about an hour of your week out and listening to me and i love nothing more than hearing from you so what i want you to do is call because this is an audio podcast and text messages just don't work the same call the 10a podcast and i will play your voice clip on my show you can literally call about anything it could be a question it could be a complaint it could be a grievance it could be a gripe it could be a bitch it could be a moan don't be a moan that would that would be weird Um, But yes, I want you to call and I want to share it to the masses. So please give me a call 352-610-1692. Again, that's 352-610-1692. Save that in your phone. It does not go to my phone. It goes to a voicemail and I will play your voice on my show. All right, let's get back into it. All right, so we're going to wrap up this episode. We're going to wrap up this year and we're going to do just a quick top three these are the top three 10 8 podcast episodes that we had in the year 2021 if you haven't listened to them yet go back and listen to them they are some of my favorites so the first one the the top one for all right let's start we'll start at three and we'll work our way up uh so number episode number 22 was the escape clause with ally and ironically enough i haven't really listened to this since uh since i stepped aside from the job but ally's doing great for herself we're gonna have her on in a little bit Eh. Probably in the spring. I'm already scheduling into February and March. Actually, into March. Um, but we're going to talk about where she is now. But basically, Allie was looking at the job, looking at how it was affecting her, and she didn't see herself anymore. She saw 
a shell of who she was. She was no longer happy doing this job. As much as she loved the job itself, it didn't love her nearly as much back. So she said, you know what? I'm done. I have to take a step aside. And she did, and she's doing great things for herself. So uh, Ali Oops is her handle on Instagram. Go follow her. Check her out. We're going to, like I said, we'll revisit her in a few months. But uh, So that was number three. That was episode 22 with Ali Oops. Um, go check that one out. The number two most played episode of the 108 podcast in the year 2021, or actually it would be the uh, episode that was released in 2021 with the mo- second most plays, is the Poorly Made Police podcast with Poorly Made Police me, my buddy Logan, Larry, Johnny, I don't remember what his name is this week, but um, this was the mashup that everyone wanted to hear. It was it was my buddy and uh, two giant meme lords coming together and just shooting the shit for an hour, and it was great, man. It actually it kindled a friendship that I wasn't expecting. You know, poorly made police memes is the uh, the gold standard when it comes to police memes. You know, he's just everywhere. He does everything, and you know he now has a podcast, which is doing very well so i'm told i'm <laughs> just kidding it's doing very well and uh, and he's a great guy he's a great guy to talk to a uh, lot of insight i should now like i said it, it kindled a friendship and now you you know he and i we shoot memes to each other back and forth and uh you know like hey i probably shouldn't post this or hey could you think i'll get in trouble if i post this and it's great and then we we bitch about things that we don't like so poorly made police memes poorly made police podcast episode episode 35 um check that out and then the most the episode with the most plays from the year 2021 not shocking at all episode number 15 was the interdiction mastermind with kenny williams and again started a great friendship kenny williams is an absolutely amazing person he's just aside from being absolutely spectacular at his job he cares he cares about Everybody that messages him, everyone that kind of gives him shit for the passenger side interviews and whatever, he cares. He cares so much. It's deep within his heart, and he is the most humble guy that I have ever talked to. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't talked to the Dalai Lama yet, but Kenny's just so humble. If you tell him, hey, man, you're great, he'll say, stop talking to me. Just stop. I don't do compliments. Um, But it was a great interview, and these interviews were so great, I think, for me, because of what it started, what it opened, the doors it opened up. I love talking to these people. I love the friendships that it starts. And, you know, Kenny has showed up on the, um, drunk cops episode, episode four of this, uh, this season, as did poorly made police memes. So, you know, they keep circling back and Kenny will be back soon. He's going to be a surprise guest on an upcoming episode. So keep your ears posted for that. Kenny's just great, man. Um, he's just a great dude and he supports the podcast and he's, uh, He's a friend of the show and a friend of mine, so absolutely great. We're going to wrap up, guys, and I just, as we wrap up, I want to give a couple shout-outs and thank yous um, to some people who have been great to me and great to the 10-8 brand, and um, I've mentioned uh, most of them already, obviously, aside from friends and family and people super close to me, uh, Nick Wilson, Jenna Romano, uh, Project 109, uh as far as the you know just just the the day to day listeners, you guys are all great. Um, but specific shout outs to Jake, uh, Mike. Jeez, uh, see, this is why I didn't want to do names because I knew I'd forget people. But you guys are all great. Those two specifically, they've just supported me since day one, and uh, and they still support me. They still bust my balls about things. Shout out to Jake. Uh, he was a 
I don't even know. He wasn't even in the police academy when he first started talking to me a year ago, and uh, and now he's he's a he's an FTO and he's he's killing it. So good job, man. I'm gonna send you a roll of pork roll, uh, Taylor ham, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> send it to you, and uh, and that'll be your graduation gift from me. Um, so yeah, I want to thank everybody, and ultimately. The, the number one person I want to thank is Dennis Benino for all the support he has given me since I decided to to move forward in 10-8 and make it bigger and better. And uh, he is the Tony Stark to my Peter Parker. Um, obviously, he is Iron Man. He's got the brand. He's got everything. Uh, and then you got little old Peter Parker here trying to trying to make things work on his own. And every once in a while, you know, he's he sponsors me. Obviously, you guys hear that at the beginning of every episode. I have so many of his instructors on. It, which which helps me it helps them it's just it's great and you know if dennis wasn't such a pure-hearted person this wouldn't be possible so special thanks to him special thanks to the staff over at street cop and um that's really all i want to say about that uh i could keep going on and on but this this ending has been quite long enough already so we're gonna wrap it up let's talk about music um we started with my brand new theme song which is made by my buddy brian from seconds to say and his uh, newest endeavor, which is Anthem Writer Music, uh, which is great. Loved it. Then we did uh, Anna by The Menzingers. Then we did Get Up by Shinedown. And we're going to wrap it up with my buddies in Patent Pending and their song, A Better New Year. Guys, this concludes uh, the 2021 edition of the 10-8 Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your buddies. Listen, if you just could take the link to my show doesn't matter what platform you listen to and just send it to your buddies and be like, hey, man, I think you'll dig this, especially like an episode like today with Ben where he just fucking kicked it out of the park. Um, I'd really appreciate it. That's the only way this thing is going to continue to grow. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, rate it, leave a review where you can and just tell people about it. And I'd really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with Dr. Elizabeth Delery, where we are going to talk about stress from what it is to what we can do about it great episode dr elizabeth delery a week from today you're gonna want to check it out thank you guys so much check out my store 10-8-memes.ecwid.com it's in the bio link in my instagram which is 108 underscore memes we're also on facebook even though i don't post on that all that much and we're gonna be trying to get more content out here we're gonna try to take this podcast stuff and put it on the instagram little by little but bear with me. All right, guys, that takes care of our episode today. Thank you so much. Take care of each other. Stay safe. We will see you in 2022. Snitches 10-8 out.
From this moment to that, we starting from scratch. Let the past 